You are listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 111. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelan Levin and Pontus Böckman. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey son, hey son, and welcome hey, to <laughs> yeah, and welcome to the eleventy-first episode of the ESP. What the eleventy-first? Yes. What? what? What's the reference? No. Yeah. Oh, uh, Come on, guys, I... is that one of the geeky references yeah. that I, I will never get because the it's ho- like in Star Trek or Star Wars? The Hobbit, oh, okay. Tolkien, The Hobbit. When oh. Bilbo, Bilbo's birthday, it's his eleventy-first birth birthday. Eleventy-first. Hmm? Okay. Okay. Yep. Didn't get that. Okay, never mind. So does that mean does that does that mean that there'll be eleventy second, eleventy third, eleventy? Well, that depends on if we can get through this episode. Of course we will. <laughs> <laughs> we got through that many. I I I don't know. Eleventy uh, first is just uh, a thing. We have we have gone through hundred and ten. So by, by sheer miracle, that's eleven eleven t. What I don't know what it is. No, in Tolkien's world. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh, so, boy. yeah, put fantasy aside. Mm? What about sci-fi? Sci-fi, we have real science. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of us saw the launch of Falcon Heavy yesterday, and uh, I got goosebumps. I know it's... That's amazing. T- two-thirds of us got goosebumps then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I know it's a crazy stunt to send uh, a, a, a car into orbit around the sun. It's just stupid. But But I must say, <laughs> when I saw the two booster rockets uh, landing side by side simultaneously i was you know how can you not love that it was fantastic. it was really like science fiction come to life it's yes oh it was perfect i have to say i missed it unfortunately so you guys have to tell me everything you can read all about it on the flat earth society's pages <laughs> and things because they are going bananas on how it was all fake and there were you know you six me? hours or four and a half hours live uh, footage from space with the with the car and the round or the wow. the globe of the of earth in the background and they are going Going bananas when it comes to explaining how those that footage was all fake and the the Earth is still flat. I just yes, cannot is, be- but they couldn't get a fucking rocket <laughs> up there and <laughs> and provide evidence that the Earth is flat uh, because they failed again. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know what? SpaceX did not. <laughs> they fucking did it. Yeah, yeah. And even why it's especially cool is that. Even a day or two before the launch, Elon Musk had said that there is at least a 50% chance of failing. Mm. Mm. And there is no failure. The only thing that could be considered a failure was... Yeah, the the main booster or whatever, the, the one in the middle. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that didn't actually hit the... the, the the floating pa- platform, the the drone yeah. ship, because it uh, crashed into the ocean at 450 kilometers per hour. Bit of but, a bit of a failure there, but uh, in, yeah, um, yeah. But you know, still, 
Very but, but imagine if like the whole launch would have failed. Elon Musk would have been right pissed off and thought to himself, well, that was a waste of money. I <laughs> no, I no. I you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't. I, I think... can't imagine wasting that much money and then like the actual thing failed. I don't know like, if it's him, but it sounds like him. Maybe I'm misquoting him or somebody else said, but it's like him to say, well, failure is a way of succeeding because you have to fail sometimes well, to get yeah. to the that's next true, level. That's true, but, the, but there's failure and there's failure and then that would have been... Yeah, it would have been a little enormous. bit worrying. Yeah, a bit worrying. Yeah, what a waste of your Tesla Roadster, How right? How many billions and billions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But imagine that there is now a Tesla Roadster flying out in space. <laughs> yeah. And maybe we'll be maybe we'll be doing this for millions of years, and there is a a, a, a dummy figure sitting in the front seat and there it says don't panic on the panel i think i think it's so classy I, you know it, it appeals to all the the things that i love and, and yeah, david yeah. bowie of course all yeah. the science fiction and all the cultural references and everything it's just hilarious you know you and couldn't really make this it. up you know, douglas no. adams couldn't have made this up no, no, no. Right. I think I think you would really him. love it. Mm. I think you would really love it, and oh. and Gene Roddenberry as well. Yeah, yeah. Even though there is no reference to Star Trek whatsoever in 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 all that, but but it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing that I'm really looking forward to see how how it works out is the exposure to radiation. Yeah, because that's one of the things that testing, isn't it? Yeah, so there's no coating, uh, special coating on the Tesla. There's no, and there's no, uh, a lot of um, plastic pieces. Yeah. There is a lot of uh, weak materials that that can be damaged by the radiation out there. So as we see the camera footage that will come down uh, to Earth from time to time, I'm pretty sure we'll see some some damage happening as it goes along, but. It's it's a cool uh, cool thing itself. I think I think that Tesla will need a paint job uh, in a couple of years, but uh, still, it's definitely. pretty pretty definitely. cool. Pretty cool. All, All right. right. So Good. Starman, Starman, go Starman, go. Go Starman, go. <laughs> uh, I have an update about uh, Sharon Hill of the Doubtful News website. We talked about that last uh, week. Oh yeah. Uh, the website was it's being dismantled blah 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 and it's still happening and we talked about uh that there might be a book in the future uh about well based on on all the articles i would post it there uh, but what i didn't know that time was that uh, sharon has just released another book already not based on the website it's called scientifical americans the culture of amateur paranormal researchers so uh, I, I should have mentioned that as well. So if you're a fan of Sharon's, mm -hmm. uh, I think you should check it out. It's available on Amazon as as a ebook or or a pocket book or so. So uh, if you are interested, good, good, good. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, I have an update to something uh, I said earlier as well, and uh, that is on Radio Chicap, which is uh, the new podcast. Yeah, the Italian. Yeah. yeah. And they have two actual episodes out by now. And it seems like um, it will be a bi-weekly show, as we intend to, intended to do at the beginning as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you remember those times mm -hmm. when well, we were yeah, planning, I mean, planning to you, do a bi-weekly show? And then you'd insisted on doing it weekly. We would have been doing bi-weekly. Uh, okay, that's my fault. I know. 
Uh, speaking of uh, Shikap and Massimo Polidoro, I believe he was, I didn't understand all the Italian, but I believe he was on TV presenting his book. Italian yes. TV. I yes. saw something on Facebook. The, the book is... about the treasures of the Vatican or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I um I just downloaded a sample of that book because I I want to start reading it, and uh, if I can cope with it, if my Italian is conduct of the language uh, right. allows me to to understand well, anything, I think your Italian will... is molto buono. Hmm? Molto buono. Ah, uh, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, some would say that. Good enough. Mm, well. Uh, just, uh, Andras, for people who may not know who Massimo Polidoro is, could you? You 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 know most. Oh, of Massimo them. Polidoro. Let's... Massimo Polidoro is um, a writer. He's um, skeptic, a skeptic, a very well-known skeptic in uh, Italy, and uh, he is the president of or the chair of CICAP, the the Italian skeptical organization. Yeah. And um, he's a prolific writer. <laughs> yeah, one, one, one book a year, I think. Or two. Yeah, uh, this is exactly what I was going to say. He's yeah. written so many books that uh, yeah. I think it's amounts yeah. to He's a great guy. And we had him and, you on know, the show. I, I listened to that, that interview you talked about, and uh, it was really cool. And he's so enthusiastic about topics, not even having anything to do with uh, skepticism. So it's I really like the way he speaks. I really like... Um, uh, how he, his mind work, he, he mind how his mind works, because even if it's just a cultural reference, it's a cultural thing that he writes about. He applies his skeptical training and his skeptical way of thinking to everything that he does, and that is so uplifting to a skeptic like us. Great, yeah. So yeah, we wish all the best to the guys at um, uh, Radio Chikap and. Uh, th- those guys, I'm, I, I haven't had the time to listen to the actual um, episodes yet, but I'm really looking forward to do that. And um, there, there is a gentleman called Enrico Zabel, and he seems to be in charge of uh, that uh, podcast. If not, then I'm sorry, I'll be definitely correcting myself. But there are two others involved, Paolino Paperino, Sonia Ciampoli and Sofia Linkos. And I will um, soon try to find out more about that podcast because uh, it's it is really cool that one of the largest organizations, skeptical organizations in Europe is now launching a podcast. But we have our own podcast to make, so uh, let's move on to our usual segments, shall we? And one of those segments is This Week in Skepticism, presented by Yelena Levin. And I will talk about um, something very exciting that happened 19 years ago in 1999, on the 6th of February, the first ever Skeptics in the Pub took place in UK, London. Yay! Now, um... That's 19 years, guys. That's a long time. Celebrate good times. Come on. This, uh, so the skeptics, for those who are, not, who are not aware of it, because I'm sure there are people who don't know what that means, um, skeptics in the pub are the groups uh, which meet and converse in the UK and beyond UK, actually, um, once, a, uh, once a month. And they meet, as the name would suggest, in the pub. Um, and apart from drinking beer, there's normally a speaker who talks on a particular subject. Um, 
and you know it's it's a very informal atmosphere and there's you know the question and answer sessions and yeah did i mention that there are beers involved <laughs> anyway so um the not necessarily though yeah, well, how do you think I got involved with skepticism? <laughs> or why you got involved? <laughs> yeah, why? So the, the, the event was founded first by Dr. Scott Campbell. Uh, for those of, for all of those who are interested in science, history, psychology, philosophy, uh, etc. And um, the first speaker who, who ever was invited to, to the first skepticism in, in the pub was Wendy M. Grossman. And even though she herself is from New York, she, um, she was the one who was the founder of the UK magazine The Skeptic. And uh, she edited it for two years. I believe the editor of this magazine now is... Deborah Hyde. Deborah Hyde, uh, who we, we had on our show a couple of times. Maybe, maybe, maybe more. Who's just been named a fellow of CSI. Well, congratulations, this Deborah. Hot off the presses. Yes. Right? It's oh, all yes. comes together like little pieces of puzzle. Congratulations, Deborah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and I have myself visited a couple of skeptics in the pub. Not as many as I would like to, because... During the week, it can be quite difficult. But I know that Pontus, you ran one in Malmo, if I'm not mistaken. Not often enough, but we try. We the the plan is to do it every single month, but mm, it maybe it's every second month. But we try to do it yeah. here, yeah. And and there are other places in Sweden. There are other places. This is not a UK thing. It started in it's the UK, UK, but it's but it's, it's spreading all over the all world. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say that for those who live in London, the Greenwich Skeptics in the pub is very much well organized and they have their stuff on like, you know, it, yes, it in works. Advance. I think Chris French, who, who runs it and organizes it, he plans his events a year in advance. Like he, he's got yeah. it all scheduled for 2018 already. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's because he's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, and he's been doing it for a while. So he 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 can also there there are groups um, like Facebook support groups for skeptics in the pubs for those people who want to start running one in their little town or a village or a city. And if you don't have or you don't know of a group that exists, you can create your own. You can become skeptics in the pub um, leader or manager or whatever you want to call yourself. Um, and there is so much information um, out there. They have a website, uh, which is www.skepticsinthepub.org uh, with all sorts of resources and links and um, lots of contact information. And I know everybody who runs Skeptics in the Pub that I know personally are really great guys. Like, you know, we know uh, Eggman, um, Brian Ego from Glasgow Skeptics and uh, our own Pontus, of course, from Malmo. Um, I think if anybody wants to set up a new Skeptics in the Pub meeting in their area, there's lots of uh, help out there available. And all the speakers who go to one event, they're really happy to attend another and it never costs that much. You just need to cover the basics and it's a lot of fun. When we started up, we didn't even have a speaker. We just... We just put it out there on Facebook. Do you want to get yeah. together and talk about skepticism? <laughs> and we just met up. Yeah? <laughs> this is another so way you don't, to do it. That's right. You, you can do it in all, yeah. all levels of, of uh, depending on your ambition. Yeah. And and when you come across, come okay, when you meet other organizers of skeptics in the pub event uh, on uh, different skeptical conventions, it it is always like that. That when you ask the question, how you start one. They say that just start it and then you can, yeah, you still have the time to name it Skeptics in the Pub if you want. You don't even have to if you don't want to. You just you just do it. There and, are no uh, rules. 
Yeah, there are no rules, but you can get all the help you want if you think of starting something like that. Yeah. And and contact Brian Ego if you if you want some tips, if you want yeah. somebody to He's ask. Very active, he yeah. he Yeah, he's been researching this. He had a workshop yes, in he uh, or he, he on the last QED conference exactly. yeah. and exactly. he's done an, a survey with others just to find out how are people doing it. So, and I'm sure he's happy to help. Well, I know he's Absolutely, happy. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. He'll he'll be only uh delighted to to spread the uh, the knowledge that he's got. Yeah, and so for all the that I think that our skeptic communities can be sometimes very dispersed and fragmented but i think the skeptics in the pub movement is kind of like one of the things that kind of is is the you know the same across the world and it's the same format the same kind of keeps us all together in a way so um and people know what you're talking about when you say oh yeah i've been to skeptics in the pub yeah well, at least it's the same cause that keeps us together what the beer yeah <laughs> the beer yes and, yeah and of that's course. what i meant that's, that's what i meant exactly it's the okay. beer And of course, we keep we try to keep track of all the skeptics in the pubs that's happening in in Europe. So we put it on our calendar on, on the esp.eu uh, on our website. You click on events in Europe, and most of the events that we have there are skeptics in the pub. N- normally on a, on a normal week, it's about you know everything from seven to twenty three skeptics in the pub happening in which europe which just gives you the scale of of the yeah how, yeah. how many very popular just in europe and yeah. that, that's not even taking it in account like australia no. america and all the other countries uh across mm. the world so it's a great um it's a great movement i mean it's a it's, it's an easy it's an easy thing to do isn't it really it's just yeah. a it bunch is, of people is. talking But about skeptics, it's a very important yeah. one And and this is why we keep um, um, adding things to our calendar all the time, and we we keep mentioning stuff that we we have come across on the internet or we we have knowledge of. But there are a lot of things that we don't. So please, if you live in a country where uh, we don't have much coverage, uh, and you want to let us know that you're doing this, uh, please let us know. Please get in touch with us. Um, And uh, that would be great to do um, because because we could add you to the growing, ever-growing list of things to talk about. Indeed. Please get in touch by emailing us on info at theesp.eu uh, or uh, follow us on Facebook. Um, you can message that directly or you can go on our website uh, which is theesp.eu or follow us on Twitter as well. Our Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore eu and if you get our podcast on itunes please leave us um, a nice review and help spread the word thank you very much for enlightening us about how skeptics in the pub started 19 years ago amazing 19 years ago 19 fucking years all right let's move on to discussing a couple of news items across europe We all know that one of the the hottest topics for um, alternative history dwellers and uh, and those those trying to bring on alternative uh, facts to to historical issues is Holocaust denial. Mm. How is it even a thing? Still, it's like yeah. buggles my mind. I don't know. I don't know. But there is a very controversial thing happening right now in Poland. 
well, the country is now governed by a right-wing um, populist party. And the prime minister's name is Mateusz Morawiecki. He's a controversial figure across the EU. Mm. He's kind of a, the political brother of our prime minister in some sense. Their party is called Law and Justice. Yeah. It sounds very tough. If you have to point out that you're for law and justice in the name of something, <laughs> then that yeah. means you're not. <laughs> yeah, according to their Wikipedia page, their ideology, the list of ideologies, Polish nationalism, national conservatism, anti-immigration, uh, Christian democracy, right-wing populism. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Christian democracy. Yes. Like like Jesus had with the, the 12 disciples and they always voted about what was right or wrong or no? Pro- probably. No. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and there is Euroscepticism as well. Oh, is that, those, oh, uh, are they going to is it going to are they, uh, they going to be Oh no, I couldn't come up with one. You know like a Brexit is exiting but then Poland would be Polexit? No. Polexit, yeah. Yeah, Plexit, Plexit, Plexit. That plexit. sounds like a, a, a like okay. some sort of drugs I will take if I if I have uh, constipation or something. <laughs> Do you know what Plexi? Do you know what Plexi is? Ple- oh, I don't God. know. It's just like. You know what Plexi oh. is? No. Well, Plexi sounds like no. a familiar no. term. Plexi. I don't know if it's called Plexi in, in English, but it's a special type of uh, plastic. It's uh, it's like uh, glass. Not not in English. But it's oh, made pl- out plexi- of plastic. Plexiglass. Yeah. A plexiglass. Yeah. Plexiglass. Yeah. So plexit would be interesting to to be na- to be yeah. called that. Mm. So in light of all that, we can uh, shed some light <laughs> into another uh, thing happening. That is a Holocaust bill. That is called a Holocaust bill, um, being signed by Polish President Andrzej Duda. Is it just called the Holocaust bill? Because if you don't explain expe- <coughs> explain what that is, it may <laughs> sound like they are yeah, trying for to the use the bill. Yeah, no. <laughs> they are for it, you know. They are not pro Holocaust. No. So no. what it means is that the law, this law, will impose prison terms of up to three years for statements attributing to crimes of Nazi Germany during World War Second to the Polish nation, um, as uh, Snopes put it. So. That means that if you even mention that Poland as a nation was involved in uh, the destruction of all those Jews, then uh, you could be punished and you could even go to jail for that. I mean, it's okay. That's, That's not true. Poland as a nation was not responsible for doing it. No, they did not. And you know, and they were yeah. and obviously calling Auschwitz just because it's in Poland calling it a Polish camp. That's a that's an offense now. Yeah, that is. But yeah, that that doesn't make sense because it's crazy. But that is now an offense. That is punishable by law. Yeah. Mm. And my worries and and apart from the fact that uh, there were lots of Polish people actually who were collaborating with the Nazis and they were actually responsible for killing of Jewish people from Poland because Poland had a great loss of uh, their um, population because of the, the Jewish people being deported and killed in Nazi camps. 
um, across the, the Third Reich. Yeah, the, the only problem is, and that is why I believe this is somewhat of a skeptical topic, mm. that it absolutely gets rid of actual discussion. Because you cannot even mention that, otherwise you'll be punished. So it it is open for interpretation. And at the beginning, uh, there was talks of uh, the, the law being evaluated by the Constitutional Court of Poland before it being signed by the, by the president. But uh, apparently the Constitutional Court had nothing to add or nothing to, to be worried about. There were no concerns raised. Uh, but that is no surprise. That is no wonder because... It is controlled by law and justice, the party, the political party. As goes with the name, of course. If you're called law and justice, you, then you control all control all the, the law and justice, including the High Court or the Supreme Court of exactly. Poland. Yeah. Uh. Or the Constitutional Court. Oh. So it's terrible that you cannot even raise a discussion right now about how many people were involved or how many pe- or how people got involved i mean it's terrible and this this really uh, stirred up controversy in other two nations namely the united states and israel mm. yeah. i can imagine mm. i wonder if yeah. other countries will get involved in this i don't know but i mean if they i don't know if they can or or something like um Human rights, well, I don't know, human rights, maybe? Mm. I don't know. When the uh, the Snopes article was written, it was already uh, happening, but uh, they reported on uh, um, on it being in the hands of the president. And since then, CNN and Washington Post have already uh, published articles saying that it has already happened. So the law has been signed by the president. Even though there was an international controversy around that. Very odd. It is odd. Uh, So I want to talk about the issue of facilitated communication. And it's an article that's been written by somebody who we know and we have had on our show and interviewed. Uh, And it's uh, Professor Christopher French from the Goldsmith University of London and Michael Marshall from the Project of Good Thinking Society. Um, And they've written an article in Guardian. Um discussing why facilitated communication might not be a miracle that uh, people expect mm. uh, uh, in communicating with uh, our people and kids who have uh, problems like cerebral palsy and paralyzed. And um, yeah. I, I think it's been discussed many times in skeptical movements and also in scientific studies that facilitated communication does not work. That's and right. It, 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 it is... Almost always when they try to, to test it or manage to test it, it's it's the facilitator yeah. who unknowingly very often That's right. and gives, gives um, uh, well, writes the messages or invents the That's messages. That's right. And it almost works as a, as a, a UG board where they, they just, uh, yeah. uh, uh, even sometimes unconsciously, um, kind of produce the words... Um, and put the words into the uh, the mouth of, of the yes. subjects. Yes, suggestion is a very very strong like, uh, tool. <laughs> yeah, like you mentioned, it has been tested and it hasn't been proven to work. But, but the pro- the problem with this uh, communication is, is the fact that the the loved ones of the people who are affected want to believe in this method, and so they kind of 
look past all the problems or alleged problems that that there might be and still uh, hold on to this. And um, in one of the cases, uh, the subject allegedly um, said to the facilitated communicators when when they were asked about updating the technology of communication that they don't want to be doing anything else other than this this method mm-hmm. which kind of gives you an indication that of course they would say that because they want to protect their their yeah. uh, yeah. style yeah and um it, it is a bit of a sore subject because again the, people who are affected are are people in distress or p- people who are you know going through going through this um hard times with living with their loved ones with this condition etc so it's always a, a very tricky subject but we we have to remember it's all too easy to dismiss facilitated communication and ha- is harmless after all if it works um and a previously uncommunicative person is able to share their thoughts and connect with the world um but if it doesn't a family gets a connection even though it's in the false one to someone they love but fear that they'd never hear from again uh, however as is with many uh, superficially harmless pseudosciences uh, there are case studies that stress that the need for caution and reflection, um, including um, many of extremely troubling examples in which um, allegations of physical and sexual abuse have been made based solely on reports gained via facilitated communication. Yeah. So, and that's where uh, the attention should be um, directed at. And the few things could be more distressing than the thought of being genuinely locked in, you know, not able to communicate and forced to watch hopelessly as the... Um, as you're effectively used as a, as a human Yuji board, spelling out a message that falsely accuses your loved ones of terrible uh, crimes. But um, and, and that's why it's so important to, to, to come to a place where these methods are tested scientifically and proven to work, which is not the case with facilities communication. Um, and it should be definitely taking, taken uh, with, a, well, many kilograms of salt. <laughs> um <laughs> and um, properly researched. But there are other things that are being propagated um, like crazy among the alternative uh, medicine community. And uh, from time to time, there are those that turn out to actually work. (laughs) Edzard Ernst, on his blog, writes about something that he had researched much, much earlier, back in 2004, and uh, provided an, a systematic review on, and uh, that is the treatment of acute respiratory infections by uh, the leaves of a plant uh, from South Asia that is called Andrographis paniculata. And um, their conclusion was that there is some kind of an effect that seems to be beyond placebo, but more research is needed. And then he recently wrote uh, that that research, the systematic review, has come out a couple of months ago on um, the NCBI uh, website that is uh, the U.S. National Library of Medicine uh, with the National Institute of Health. Um, So the NIH, which is the the U.S. uh, health agency. So the results of that systematic review seems to be backing up what 
more than 10 years ago, almost 15 years ago, as an Ernst group came out with as a result. They sum up, the res- um, in the results section, they say that Andrographis paniculata, alone or plus usual care, has a statistically significant effect in improving overall symptoms of acute respiratory tract infections when compared to placebo, usual care, and that is the key, and other herbal therapies. So why it's important is because acute respiratory tract infections are usually very difficult to cure, and those are considered responsible, mostly responsible, for uh, the problem with antibiotic resistance that has emerged in recent years. Because those are the infections, those are the, the illnesses that are usually treated with a couple doses of antibiotics. Uh, right away, even without even knowing what, it, what, it, what it's, it's caused by. So they also they also go on that evidence also suggested that uh, Andrographa paniculata shortened the duration of cough, sore throat, and sick leave time to resolu- resolution when compared versus usual care, and that is key, because if that is the case, even though uh, Edzard Ernst criticizes the size of the, the the sampling size, and that some of the uh, some of the, the studies discussed in this uh, systematic review uh, were of very low quality, but as a systematic review should do, they did not consider those that actually do not adhere to a certain standard. So these findings are not providing a good enough conclusion, but even Edzard Ernst, who's a very, very well-known critic of everything that belongs to the alternative the field of alternative medicine uh he says that this looks a bit promising so Mm -hmm. we might end up having something at our hands that can work to to treat something that is difficult to treat no but that's great news because uh this is these are things that are hard to find uh treatments for yeah and uh and it's not totally implausible either, because a lot of medicine that we use today has its origin in herbal or natural uh, sub, uh, substances that we have found in in in, <laughs> yeah. in, in plants. And exactly, and that's what uh, the first commenter at on uh, uh, Edzard Ernst's blog came up with, linking the wiki to the Wikipedia page of pharm- pharmacognosy uh, that deals with exactly that. Yeah, but on the other hand, why this is an important find and result is because this herb is being used in Ayurvedic medicine and all that kind of shit <laughs> to all kinds of different illnesses. Like uh, it's even um, recommended against cancer and as a cancer treatment. Uh, so you have to well yeah referring back to what Yolanda said earlier you have to take it with like a bucket of salt sure what what is said all across the internet i did i did a little bit of search on the internet for this um plant and oh you would not believe how many different sites i found where they recommended 
for everything. Yeah, literally yeah. everything. And this, of course, doesn't mean that if it if it if it has some effectiveness against uh, respiratory infections, it doesn't mean it cures cancer. You have to take everything exactly from the evidence. You have to, be, you know. Yeah, but you have to think strategically as well. When the results like this come out, then that will be referred to by the the community of alternative medicine practitioners. Yeah, but but it shouldn't uh, be hidden either. I mean, if it's true, it's true. Yeah, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. But it's a uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's a difficult situation when you have partial results. There's a communication problem. Yeah. It's a communication yeah. issue. Exactly. It's exactly exactly. Hmm. But it's cool. I like that. Very good. That's science Mm. (laughs) working (laughs) properly. All right. So let's stay in the UK. And I will, of course, talk about measles. Because I am uh, now not going one single week without talking about measles. You're a measles guy. I'm the measles guy. Last week I talked about Ukraine, who is having an epidemic that is probably becoming worse than even Romania. Ukraine had uh, about 3,000 cases only in January. Romania, who has been our, you know, worst customer, (laughs) said almost said, yet has had about 10,000 cases since the end of 2016. But uh, Ukraine is up there. However, the UK has now reported um, 140 cases. That's not thousands of cases, but it is quite a few more cases than you would expect. Because in September, the WHO uh, declared that the UK had, quote, eliminated measles, unquote. It doesn't seem like that anymore. 140 cases across different places in in England is, is quite a lot. Parents are now being urged to... Uh, vaccinate by the NHS. The source of the outbreak reportedly is not local. It's coming from travelers from other parts of Europe. And that, that may be the case. But people, in view of the current situation in Europe, whether you're in the UK or in Ukraine or in uh, uh, Romania, Italy, France, can you please vaccinate your children already so we get a stop to this? Yeah. Yeah. And from the UK, finally, we move on, moving on to another country, which is Germany. And uh, German Facebook is in the center of our news item right now. And uh, uh, not only German Facebook, but a Facebook group that used to have 34,000 members. And that is the MMS group. Mineral Miracle Solution. Mm. Uh, I've heard that this before. I hear it cures autism. Is it true? Oh yeah, yeah, and many other things. And many other things. You just all the cleaning agents. I'm sure cancer is one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all the cleaning agents and everything. But now, apparently, uh, Facebook deleted or blocked that Facebook that that group. Because of the dangerous uh, things that were um, propagated and advertised there. Wow. So those are, bit, uh, yeah. So that is pretty interesting. I did not know of Facebook having any kind of uh, policy like that. Um, 
But if that is the case, then uh, I'm happy to learn about it. Yeah, now that's interesting. I mean, I it, it poses a question here. I mean, on the one hand, I, I do believe that the MMS thing is a terrible thing. You should not... This is basically bleach being propagated oh, yeah. as as, yeah. as as a cure for things. It's terrible things, and, and it, it, you know it, you don't you don't want to drink bleach. You don't want to have it up your you know. It, and you definitely don't want your children. You, yeah. you don't want to have a bleach enema, and especially you don't want uh, autistic or other uh, people who who cannot defend themselves having this done to them. That's that's one thing. I of course greatly oppose that on the other hand should facebook take on this role of being the moral police and shutting down voices mm, we get a yeah i don't know but you know what the issue is that it might be even counterproductive yeah getting rid of uh, um a facebook group like that because now Apparently, there is a bit of a controversy around it because they cry censorship. Yes, of course they do. Uh, the the users and there is a guy called Jim Humble um, who started the whole thing, and, uh, and he's an American, treatment. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, American who who went to the to Mexico, if I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. But then now, ex-users, former users uh, within those um, groups, they say that uh, it is the works of Big Pharma. Of course, yes, that always. This this was deleted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. What else? <laughs> Who else would be able to do? Getting that? boring now, eh? Yeah. <laughs> not for them. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, not not for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But Jim Jim Humble is, in my opinion, a, a douchebag. He created a church around this because if you take this MMS as part of your religious ritual, it's sort of protected, especially in the in the US, uh, but also in other places. So if you make it part of uh, the, like the communion or something, uh, I hate that. Uh, you know, people who are exploiting others and then invent religions around it to, to, to get away with it. It's like, uh, you know, Scientology or... Or, or, ah. Yeah, but um, yeah. of course, obviously, there are new groups popping up right now, yeah. uh, trying to do do the same thing, uh, trying to discuss among themselves the same kind of bullshit. But uh, why, in the first place, uh, Facebook decided to delete these pages and uh, these not pages but uh, Facebook groups was uh, regulations that there was legislation going on in in the last year and we talked about it briefly uh, in Germany that uh, aims at getting rid of fake news and and uh, things that are there to promote fake news so this might be how it actually works in practice mm that law hmm? against fake news so well done germany for that for for now that is and uh let's see how those new groups succeed in propagating nonsense yeah and i came across this on gvup's website which is the german skeptical organization 
All right, I believe this has been all that we had as news items for this week. So let's move on to um, looking at who's been really wrong lately. Can't wait to hear it. So this week's really wrong may surprise uh, some of our listeners. Uh, mm. Maybe it's even a little bit controversial. I don't know. We'll see what, what reactions we get. <laughs> Are you going to get hate mails and all? Uh, well, I welcome them, of course. Uh, Death threats? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> but I'm not known to be a big fan of religion. Some of you have, may have noticed that. Uh, and yeah. So it may seem a bit contradictory that I will now call out the, the Danish uh, government for prohibiting burqas, hijabs and other clothing that covers a person's face. The, this is a suggested leg- legislation. It hasn't gone through yet. It would make it a crime to wear a face cover in public with fain- fines... Blah, blah. With fines ranging for about from about hundred euro for first time offenders up to a thousand euro for repeat offenders. Now, why is this maybe a problem in my opinion? Well, first, I, I would like to say that I think burkas is a horrible idea. It's clearly a very harmful way of oppressing women's freedom, and it's also it also promotes uh, the terrible idea that it's. Uh, you know, it, it's putting blame on the victim. It's the victim's duty to prevent sexual harassment, ultimately. So if you show me a man, any part of your body, even the face, then it's your fault that I cannot control myself and, and you deserve to be raped or molested or attacked somehow. So I think it's putting all the blame on, on, on the victim if you are sexually ha- harassed in any way. Okay, so there's no no change from me here. Religions are stupid, in my opinion, <laughs> and should be opposed. Uh, any religious oppression should be opposed. But who would suffer if you put a uh, put through this prohibition? First of all, if you want to wear a burqa, if you, by your own free will, I'm I'm fine with that. Go ahead. I I think your reasons for doing it are totally misguided. But go ahead, please. That's that's fine. Secondly, what will happen, and this is the important part, what will happen to women who are dominated by fundamentalist Muslim men and and cannot go outside without wearing a burqa? They will be forced to stay at home, which will oppress them even more than before. This law, by prohibiting burqas, will not contribute in any way to liberating Muslim women if that is what you want to do. So that's assuming that that's what you want to do. But uh, maybe there are other reasons. Say that there's a, a, the, the, it's important to make sure that you can identify people in public places. Uh, and if so, fine. But the law has exceptions will indi- that indicates that it, that's not why you have the law. One exception is that you can still have a scarf around your face to if it's cold weather. Another exception is that masks who are intended for costumes or masquerades are still allowed. Uh, So from an identification point of view, why is a burqa different from wearing a full Santa mask, which will be uh, allowed? In my opinion, the reason for this law is not to protect women who are oppressed by by Muslim ideals or Muslim religion. It is just to 
a populist way of buying sheep votes from xenophobic voters. Exactly. Yeah. There is, a, there is even an exception in this law for covering your face during sports events. That is still going to be allowed. <laughs> so, for, so hooligans will still be able to wear a, a balaclava for, for football matches. That, that, that's crazy to me. So are burkas a terrible idea that should be opposed? Yes, definitely. Is this suggested law the right way of doing it? Absolutely not. I think this will only hurt people who are already oppressed. And because of that, the Danish government and the ruling coalition with the Minister of Justice from the Conservative Party, he's called Søren Pape Poulsen. Because of that, the Danish government and the ruling coalition for suggesting this new law gets today's prize for being really wrong. Did you guys notice that as of late, Pontus's uh, really wrong segments have moved slightly from being scientifically wrong mm-hmm. to morally wrong? Mm-hmm. You are like a like a grandfather now. <laughs> <laughs> Yelling at clouds. <laughs> yeah. D- d- making some moral judgments here. It's <laughs> I, 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 I mean I mean I'm not saying I don't agree with you. Alright. Uh, Thank you very much, Pontus. And I believe it's uh, almost time for us to finish the show. But we cannot do that without Yelena hitting us with a quote. Today I have a quote from Jim Al-Khalili, British theoretical physicist, author and broadcaster. And he said, For me, I think the greatest achievement of science is to allow humanity to realize that our world is comprehensible. Through science, rational thinking, we can understand how the universe works. Woohoo! And that is amazing. Thank you. It is. Thank you very much. And he's awesome. Yes, he is. I know I know women who are madly in love with him because of his brains. Now nah, he's handsome too, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That's from the great Jim Al-Khalili and this has been the European Skeptics podcast for this week. So I'd like to uh, thank both of you, Yelena and Pontus, for joining me. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. And uh, I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in and staying with us. And until next week, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at 
www.theesb.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Good day. Good evening. Oh, sorry. Good evening. <laughs> As we see the, the, the camera footage that will come down to earth from town to town. Uh, time, <laughs> from town oh, to town. Sorry. Yeah. We'll come down ta- <laughs> town to town, yeah. The culture of... The culture... Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I wanted to... Ah, uh, fuck. You wanted to fuck, yeah? I'm sure you wanted to fuck, but... <laughs> We have a podcast too. Do we all? Do we all? Yeah, take a line. Everyone, uh, I wanna fuck. <laughs> you don't understand? I wanna fuck on the table. Oh yeah, isn't that is sort of a song or something like, a, like a thing? We all know. <laughs> Shut up. We're laughing at the world's oldest joke now. So okay. Yes. Yep. I think somebody should come up with a list of names of the countries that potentially could exit Brexit. Exit. Yeah. Exit. Ex- <laughs> exit Brexit. <laughs> exit, exit the European Union and what they would be called. Like Brexit is yeah. called Brexit. You know what? A- exit Brexit. That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we... Isn't that the same that's... thing? That's leave. That's, that's remain, isn't it? That would make a lot of sense. Exit Brexit. You know what I mean. After the BR, there would be a bracket and exit would be squared. No, you lost it. <laughs> I think that's too... But anyway. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs>